0: Thank you for choosing to listen to another exciting teaching from Revive Church. Please join us at either of our two Sunday morning locations. 9 a.m. at Revive Bitterroot, 3909 Highway 93 in Stevensville, or 10 a.m. at 2811 Latimer in Missoula. We also have a 6 p.m. evening service at 130 East Broadway in downtown Missoula. Now, I want you to understand something. This isn't about me. It's about the Lord and what He's done for me, and then what he's going to do for you. So I'm just going to ask you to have an open mind, an open heart. Um, so with that, I'd like to pray. <coughs> Lord, we just thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We live in Montana, God, and you made this such a special, special place. Even though we grumble about the weather It's Montana, and you made it. So we'll rejoice in the snow and the ice and the cold. Because we know the spring is coming. You are constant, but the world around us is not. We thank you for that, God. And I just ask your presence here, Lord, that the words I speak come from you and not from me, and that it touches the hearts of people here and bring change. (coughs) In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, Um, I'd like you to take a look at, first of all, if you haven't read the brief, 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 brief history of the Vietnam War, you might want to do that because some of you weren't even born when this thing took place. So um, when I'm talking, you can look over it and that kind of stuff. But um, I'd like you to turn to the uh, sheet of uh, the scriptures, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, 11, 14 says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come to pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you and will bring you back from captivity." So what the, the, the message today is about the, the biblical perspective of dealing with your past, and this verse, back from captivity. We are held in captivity by the events of our past. And if we don't deal with it, it's going to crop up. And it, it's kind of like having a teenager like this, a pimple. And you don't deal with it, (laughs) it can grow into something worse. And it can come out at the inappropriate times. And sometimes if we don't recognize it, we're going to not understand what's going on, and it's going to make us more frustrated. And God wants us to be free. The songs were perfect. He wants us to be free. He didn't cause the things that are in us. A lot of the things in our past are due to our wrong decisions, and sometimes we're put into positions that aren't very favorable, and consequently, they go right down into our soul. It's like a branding iron. Now, being in Montana, we know what a branding iron can do. It hurts, and it leaves a scar, and it's there. You know, during the Civil War, if you were, if you were a coward, they branded you on your cheek with a letter C. It's bad enough knowing you were a coward, but it's even worse when everybody else recognizes you are, were. But the thing I'm talking about here is those hidden things that are within you that others don't recognize. Oh, well, we can walk into a church and smile and say everything is perfect, but we know down inside there are things that need to be dealt with. And it's not war, necessarily, it's stuff. And I'll get to that a little later. So um, there's two parts to this message. The first part is the past. And uh, I have a few slides taken 50 years ago, probably almost to the year, or to the month. Um, So you want to throw up the first one? (laughs) No, that's not Brad Pitt. (laughs) I was 22 years old. I, was, uh, I volunteered for the draft right after I graduated from college. And, um, okay, I was raised in Montana, a little town called Plains. And uh, when John F. Kennedy was elected in 1961, his inaugural address, he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And every kid my age, especially the boys, it went right down inside of us. So, when the opportunity arose, many of them rose to that occasion. Now, be, being from a lower middle class family, my folks had to move to Missoula so I could go to the university. And that was in 64. So, the war had just started in August with the Gulf of Tonkin uh, incident. It turned out to be not some lies and, with that. But anyway, I wanted to finish my degree. Well, uh, by 1968, the war was going full blast. So I volunteered for the draft. I mean, no, schools weren't going to be a teacher. They wouldn't take me because I was 1A, draftable. So I volunteered for the draft, and in five months, I was on the ground. Uh, that, I was part of an artillery unit. It was mobile. It's called uh, self-propelled. There were 155 howitzers. They can fire 18 miles at the, at the furthest distance. And my job was to run firing charts. <coughs> Uh, to be on the radio and to be a track driver, to drive, it looks like an armored personnel carrier when it's taller. And that picture right there is a the gun is just fired. So, I, what I did, I carried uh, Kodak Instamatic. Remember them? Yeah. <laughs> Those things you could drop in the mud, you know. And, pick and I took pictures a lot. And uh, this is during the dry season, and, and I have hearing aids <laughs> because they blew my eardrums out. The concussion. Well, that, that's dust from the concussion, um, and we travel from place to place. Um, I was part of the 9th Infantry Division, 1st 84th Artillery. We didn't have a fire base. We moved from place to place. I slept out in the open for two months. Uh, didn't shower for weeks at a time. The only water we had was out of a big water trailer, and um, you put lime Kool-Aid in it to have some taste. The army only supplied green. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we had green underwear, green this, green that, and we had lime Kool-Aid. I mean, go figure. And we shaved out of that thing. We had to keep clean shaven, but most of us grew mustaches and that kind of thing. Um, so, um, I was on the ground, and we were right out in the villages and saw them. And could go back, to that. I wish that would be a little lower, but um, the Vietnamese people... Their culture was—it just fascinated me. I just—I took pictures of people, and this picture particularly, I didn't notice till I got home, that little boy and girl—they're—they do not have any bottoms on, and—and and, uh, that's typical house they lived in. It's uh, palm thatch and rice thatch, and this is French influence on it. But at the bottom, it's all rotted out and kind of stained on the bottom, and those stains equal to the level of that little boy's. Wee-wee-er. <laughs> well, the interesting part of it is his father wee-weed on that house. His grandfather wee on that house because it killed insects. And then right in front, there was all this brown stuff. It was number two, doo-doo. <laughs> and they just take a shovel and throw it out in the rice paddies. So we went from a country that's modern to a country that's almost in the Stone Age. So, another one? Uh, We'd pull in the villages, and the kids would come out, the villages, they didn't have sidewalks or uh, streets or you know know that stuff. This is out in the Delta. The Delta is flat as a pancake for 600 square miles, and the highest elevation is one foot. That's a rice paddy (laughs) dike. And being from Montana, I mean, it it was awful. It was horrible. (laughs) Um, And water everywhere. Two seasons, dry seasons, wet seasons. It rained uh, two or three, well, it could rain six inches in in probably half an hour dry season, it turned into c- concrete, just like a desert. And we pull into, and that <coughs> vehicle weighed 60-some tons. Um, so, anyway, um, go on to the next one. There's one more. There is there. And that's pretty typical. You see the rice paddy dykes, and those are, they call those hamlets, and that's where a lot of the enemy stayed. And um, they're all made out of rice thatch. And the most amazing thing is, um, <clears throat> when, when, when we left, we were pulled out in 1969, and when we left, this is, our, this is the images we saw. And in the eyes of the Vietnamese culture, the Vietnamese people, it was fear, in some cases resentment, or what can I get from you? So. For 50 years, that's the image that I had up here. Plus all the other things that go on. And so when we came home, is there one more? Did we do five? Okay. When when we came home, we came home to a nation that didn't quite welcome us. I was called a fascist pig at the University of Montana. I know of guys who, one guy walked into an airport, and a, and a woman smeared a poopy diaper on his uniform. Now, I can understand that thinking, because people were frustrated. They were frustrated the war had been going on and on, and we were told we are winning, and it didn't look like we were. We were, it's just that it was going on forever. And um, so people were frustrated and they took their frustration out on the veterans. Not, all, not in all cases, but in some cases. Um, do we have any Vietnam vets in here? What unit are you with? Three quarter cal out of 25th Infantry. Okay. Uh, what years are you there? 57, 68. Okay. <coughs> Okay. Those things didn't happen to you. You probably knew guys that did. But there was a general feeling of people they didn't want to hear about it. My brother said, how come you're losing the war? (laughs) So you have this stuff and it, it, it is, it goes right down into your core. And things can happen out of that. Um. I learned real quickly that, I you know, my wife, Marsha, we've been married for uh, 49 years and she was my support. I tried to, as best I could not to lash out at her. I lashed out at kids at school. I grabbed them by the throat. If they smarted off to me, that's something I did, could not tolerate. I'd knock their legs out from under them on the floor and put them down the floor. I'd pick them up and slam them against the wall. I was so angry, and I don't know why. I was called to the office one time. The princ- uh, there was a mother sitting there. And the principals, who was a, both of them were World War II veterans, and they were always supportive. But this mother was really upset. I walked in, sat down, and she looked at me and she said, there's something wrong with you. And the anger that was in me, I almost said, well, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> there was something wrong. Lawnmower wouldn't start. Best way to get started is kick it with your foot. I'd walk away from discussions from my wife because I didn't want <clears throat> to... When we had kids, I tr- tried... Not to lash out at them. But I still get pretty upset. <laughs> I threw my son across the yard one time. <laughs> he laughs about that now. but Okay. <clears throat> so I buried that for 50 years. Well, actually, not that long. Until uh, 1984 when I got saved. Um, but hardly a day doesn't go by that I'm not reminded. A loud noise sends me into orbit. Um, Marsha, uh, my kids even laugh, there'll be a TV show on, and some there'll be noise on the TV suddenly, and I'll jump. It's just a condition. A helicopter, the sound of a helicopter, right? Yeah. A helicopter flies over, you know, I look. I look. Most people around here don't look at it, but you look. A song that was popular in 1968. By the Animals. We got to get out of this place! <laughs> a TV show or a movie. I wasn't obsessed by this, but it was, it, I was affected by the toxic atmosphere that I experienced. Now, war is toxic, no matter if you're directly in it or part of it. Toxicity can include language, the negativity, the chaos, fear, Loss, that all gets inside of you, and it's hidden. Okay? I always wanted to go back. Marshall said, first year we married, I said I wanted to go back. That was 1960, or 1970. I wanted to go back and do something good. Now, I didn't have a—I lot. I was not on the, in heavy combat at all. We are in combat, but not overly heavy. We lost guys, but that's part of it. Um, I wanted to go back and do something good. Um, Well, a friend of mine, uh, we're at a restaurant in Missoula. He's a veteran. And um, we're just kind of chatting. He said, by the way, um, I'm going back to Vietnam. I said, really? He said, yeah, there's an organization called Brothers Forever. And it's veterans. A guy who's a veteran leads it. And he's been doing it for eight years. And we spend two weeks there. So I went home and told Marcia, and she right away said, you need to do it. I've talked to my kids. They're grown adults now. They said, you need to do it. In fact, they helped us out financially, my kids, to go over there. Um, OK, we got to go to orphanages and give them food, vegetable oil, rice, and flour. We smiled. When they knew we weren't Russian, they welcomed us. <laughs> Russians have us. They're interesting folks. But anyway, they. And, uh, well, the stories could go on and on. I, I don't want to deal with it, because I want to get to the main part of the message. So, could you go to the new, the new pictures? Okay, um, you can see that very well. That looks like a, a, a motorcycle uh, uh, lot to sell. It isn't. Those are all parked. Look look at the regimentation. There are people in a a shopping mall. There are 7 million mopeds in Saigon. (laughs) 7 million. There's 10 million people there. There's 90 million people in Vietnam. That country has, in the 21st and 22nd century, they've moved on. We haven't. Next one. Uh, That was... Um, in one of the, I was in the Delta. Well, I didn't get to go exactly where it was. We got pretty close, and you can kind of see the vegetation. And um, you can't see up there, but on the corner of the house there is a satellite dish. <laughs> We're walking along this little trail. That one time was a Viet Cong trail, but then I was at with asphalt, and. They, their doors are always open. Like they don't have mosquito nets and that kind of stuff. But there's, a, there's a widescreen TV there, and this lady's in the hammock watching, a Vietnamese soap opera. <laughs> and they're actually really good. In the hotel, we saw some of those. But anyway, she's laying in the hammock, and she has her foot going like this, and there's a little rope or string attached to her toe, and she's rocking the baby. Over here. <laughs> And once they saw us walking in there, they look and smile. We didn't see that 50 years ago. They smiled. Um, so it's really heartwarming. Okay, next one. That is an ATM machine. <laughs> now, ATM machine. I was expecting people in rice paddies with their water buffalo and their coolie hats and the black pajamas. Never saw any black pajamas at all. I saw modern clothes. This guy is in his... ATM machine, that's his daughter, she's three years old. That's typical motorbikes. And the little daughter has pink helmet, a pink mask, pink clothes, pink shoes have little lights on them. I walked up to her and I go like that she kind of snubbed (laughs) like this. Next one. That is the entryway of a house in the Delta. Not too far from a uh, mountain Yard Village. The mountain Yards are indigenous people and they're, they're kind of like uh, the Native Americans are in, in Montana. Um, they, th- their um, homes are... Um, well, th- the Mountain Yards were, were mountain people and they moved out in the, in the valleys during the war. But they kept this same kind of house on stilts. I asked this one Mountain Yard, how come they have them on the stilts?" stilts? They said, because of tigers. Well, there's no tigers in the valley. They're up in the mountains. I said, well, why why do you still do that? He said, well, do you still do the things you did years ago? Yeah. (laughs) But look at that. TV is on. (laughs) Didn't expect to see that at all. Next. Uh, Those are high-rise hotels. Where used to be fishing villages are high-rise hotels. There are super highways. There are boulevards. I walk the streets of Saigon at night. I don't walk the streets of Missoula at night. <laughs> it's a regimented society. But they, the, the North Vietnamese uh, have... The, their collectivization failed in 1975 to 1985, whatever it was. They allowed free enterprise, Well, South Vietnamese are used to it, and they've run with it. It is unbelievable. It, I would go back if, if I could get there in two hours. <laughs> 17 hours a little long in an airplane. Um, but I would go back because it, it's just, the country is so modernized. It's just unbelievable. Is there one more? Or is that the last one? Right, last one? Okay. Um, so everywhere you looked was all this stuff. I walked a beach in, in the train, I was the only one on the beach. It's, it's shaped like Waikiki. At 30 in the morning, I was the only one on the beach. The water is like bathtub water. There's an island out there with a Ferris wheel that's probably about 175 feet high with lights on it. It was turning. That has changed. One vet uh, told me one time that he went uh, a couple of years ago and he met with some of these former enemy. I met some of the former enemy too, but this, one, this guy told him, he said, the problem with you Americans is uh, you live in the past. We've moved on. Um, okay <clears throat> do you think the Lord wants us to remain in captivity No. he doesn't he does not don't we carry grudges that's captivity don't we harbor ill will towards others who may or may have not said something derogatory toward us? Don't we hold on to these toxic things in our past? Holding on to a grudge is like drinking poison intended for someone and waiting for them to die. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, driving here this morning, I had the big windshield, I could see. Where was my attention? Was it in the rear view mirror? <coughs> Rearview mirrors are this small. Windshields are this big. He wants us to focus on today, not back here. The word, key word is focus. Okay? Uh, but Some of you know Bob Cole. He spoke out here last month, I guess he was. Uh, he was great. He has stories. He told me this one. When a dog goes in your backyard to go poo, he does his duty. What does he Does he step back in it when he poops on the ground? He walks ahead and he throws stuff on it. He might go back and sniff it, but he doesn't step in it. We step on our grudges over and over. Have you ever met somebody who's constantly talking about their ills? Constantly. And they wonder, why aren't I healed? Well, if you quit talking about it, it would help. Yeah. So, that's the point. Okay. <laughs> okay, on, I have a handout for you. And on the back side of the Vietnam one, if you can look at that, it's just I'm a, as a teacher, I always want to have people have things in their hand. Um, one of the songs that the worship team sang talked about chains, shackles. They hinder our walk. If it's attached to a wall, you can't go very far. The Lord wants us free. Now, I want to explain the word toxic to you. Uh, it beca- uh, something can become toxic if you keep dwelling on it. Now, there's some, uh, there's some synonyms here of what toxic means, poisonous. You can read it yourself. It's unhealthy. Okay. Unhealthy. Now, here are some... I gave some examples of toxic wounds. Words said to you long ago that you have never forgotten. How many of you can remember things a teacher told you in, the, in, the, in middle school or, or elementary school that you still remember because the teacher said something that was nasty? It's there. The mind absorbs this stuff. Your subconscious doesn't know the difference between right and wrong. It just absorbs this stuff. And it pops out. It comes out all the time. Words you might have said to someone that caused deep hurt in them. Have you ever talked to somebody and you are talking about something and you say something and you want to grab those words back? But it's too late. They heard it. The problem with that is, guess what they start carrying around? The toxicity of the words that you said. Okay? Um. Behaviors and attitudes you felt were aimed at you for any reason, whether true or not. Maybe a glancing look. Maybe you walked up to a group to talk to them, they walked off. Not knowing that you were coming up to talk to them. But we get this feeling that we're not wanted or loved or needed. And that goes inside of us. That's a toxic wound. Family arguments. Sibling rivalry. Family dysfunctionality. All play a part in toxic wounds. School incidences. Witness to a, an act of violence or aggression. Or being a victim of one or the other. Regrets over a failure to respond to something that you knew you were supposed to respond to and you didn't. Why didn't I do that? Being accused of something you didn't do. That ever happened to anybody here? Happened to me in a class when I was in uh, freshman high school. I was reaching around to borrow a racer. It was in a test. There's a racer, big racer, you no know those big racers on <laughs> the desk. I reached around to grab this teacher walked up and said, No credit. I had to meet him after class. And every time I would see him for four years in high school, I could see in his eyes he didn't trust me. Getting away with something that you were to blame. Military conflict, blank. I encourage you as we go to the rest of today, or this morning, fill in that blank. Okay? The impact of toxic experiences, nightmares, restlessness, anger, suspicion, Fear, anxiety, sleeplessness, resentment, nervousness, agitation, nagging, regrets, they're there. If you recognize those are going on, that means you have something in you that is toxic or could be toxic. I love Jesus Always books. I love them. Sarah Young, any of you read those in the morning? There's a couple of, Jesus Always, and there's another one, what's it called? Jesus calling. Yeah, Jesus Calling, yeah. Wonderful, words for the day. He wants us to live today. So I found this one on January 10th of this year. We should seek to live in a present moment. These are words spoken to her, okay? We should seek to live in the present moment where his presence awaits us continually to refresh us in his nearness, get Letting his love soak into our innermost being. <coughs> Max Lucado, I love his writings. I am, I am not the type of person to read really heavy material. I just struggle. I want st- st- right to the point. And that's how he writes, is with, with some humor. Jesus is in the present tense Christ. He didn't say I was. He says I am. I love that. Um, In the hospital, um, in the elevators, I work at the hospital, St. Path, In the elevators, they'll have little notices for the day, sayings for the day. I saw this one last week. Getting over a painful experience is much like crossing monkey bars. You have to let go at some point in order to move forward. Jesus wants us to let go. He does. He doesn't like to see us where we are. Okay, there are some scriptures, and Courtney, are you ready? There are some scriptures um, that were given to you. We already did the uh, first one on Jeremiah. There are a number of scriptures dealing with uh, with your past. Um, But I've tried to pick out ones that really had more to do with or the topic of, of uh, the toxicity. How many of, you, how many of you have read a scripture and it's like you would never read it before? You know you've read it 15 times, 40 times, 100 times, but all of a sudden it's just boom! It's right there. Well, God's telling you something. He is. Isaiah 43, 18, 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. He's not saying that you can't look back or remember. I mean, we remember family, remember things, but not make it your whole focus. Don't dwell in it. See, I am doing a new thing. <laughs> Look, it took 50, years, well, it took see, 60, 70, 20 years for me to understand there is a loving God. I got saved. The anger left, didn't it, Marsh? Nod your head up and down. <laughs> <laughs> it left. But what, the residual was there. The, res- the residual was closing The Vietnam War is closed because I saw a country that has moved on, and I hadn't. I saw a people who looked at us in fear and suspicion, and I saw people who smiled. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. If you guys ever, if you're, de- especially the Vietnam vets in here or other vets, Um, who've experienced the military life if there's some issues face it face it Matthew 6 6, 33-34 but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well all it might take 50 years but it's worth it therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Psalm 16, 8. I will keep my eyes on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. okay, how how can you deal with these things? God can heal it whenever he wants to. It's up to him. When? But sometimes we have to take that first step. And that first step is to recognize there is a problem. If you're carrying around resentment and anxiety and fear, admit to it. Look at the patterns of your behavior will tell you a lot. Right. Then ask the Holy Spirit to free you. To reveal those things. He will. He will. Right. It's worth the wait. Forgive those who have impacted who impacted you with negative words or left toxic scars in you. And forgive them by name. If you say, I forgive all those who have said that, that's not gonna do it. Forgive them by name. Whether real or perceived. Forgive yourself for all the years you've harbored these toxic wounds. Because the last thing we want to have happen is another toxic thing to get into you is called guilt. Guilt can be worse than the actual toxicity. You start blaming ourselves, getting down on ourselves. Forgive yourself. There's a way to say that, to say that, and I'll show that in a minute and then move on. You know, (laughs) when so many of us, and I'm I'm, like everybody else, will say a prayer. We assume God listens. He does. Then we worry about that. We're right back where we started. So if we're gonna pray for God to enter our lives and make a change in our lives that we recognize there's something in us that's causing us to act this way. Take those steps and then move on with it. It's in his court now. But I have a little thing. When you go up to somebody's house and you knock on the door, you do this. No, you do this. no answer that's how you talk to God he wants to know if you're really or if I was really serious about making change in my life he saved me but I had stuff in me yet and he wanted that stuff out of there he wants it out of you too now some of you might say well I don't have any stuff in me well, ask him I dare you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things in your past that need to be rectified. And take that sheet of paper where that blank is and write it down. If you are still being tested by these things in your life, take one of your favorite verses or a phrase from a song, it will be life-changing. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your lives. May God richly bless you in the upcoming year.